Amazon's a, a site that a lot of people use, but nobody like nobody like like nobody walks around wearing Amazon T-shirts. You know? Hello and welcome to Here in LA Hollywood Edition. Today we are talking with Richard Rushfield, the great writer, editor, and influencer. His latest venture, The Ankler, is a newsletter written about and for Hollywood insiders and professionals. We conducted this interview in the belly of the beast, one of the Century City Towers, which is home of a giant talent agency where Richard and I will be talking about the Oscars, digital journalism, and how the heck did Netflix greenlight The Queen's Gambit? And Patreon members, this is this is something we're going to do more often. Head over to the Patreon site, and we will be uploading this entire unedited, raw version of this interview where Richard tells us so many other things, including his most hated movie theater in L.A. and why. So sit back and relax and enjoy Richard Rushfield. I am sitting across from a Hollywood staple, <laughs> the creator of The Ankler. That's me. Richard Rushfield. Hello, Tony. How are you, sir? I'm happy to be here with you. We know each other from working at the Los Angeles Times. The storied, historic Los Angeles Times. We were one of the, the last groups that worked on the digital-only side at the old building. The, the, the last guard before the LA Times accepted, okay, I guess we need to have a website. Or we have one... Maybe it should be good. <laughs> and you were in charge of the entertainment section. What, what, what officially, there were so many names for entertainment, for entertainment properties at the LA Times back then. Entertainment coverage was divided between like four different sections in the, in the newspaper. And it was in the business section. It was in the calendar section. It was in the view section. It would be in the, the news section. It was also in the metro section. So when we started the website, we said, well, you... You, you can't do that. People just want to see their all their stories, and th that you know went down like a ton of lead bricks. Uh, there. What was what was your title officially? When when I came in, I was uh, I was a senior editor of of latimes.com, which was oh. it, uh, our friend Rob Barrett had just become the general manager of it, and it was kind of used as the dumping ground for people from the newsroom um, where they didn't know where to put them. At that point, you couldn't be fired from the LA Times. Uh, so they said, so he just said to me, I just need someone with a pulse like around there. So just just come in. I don't know what you'll do. You'll just go around and we'll call you senior editor. And maybe it won't last very long. And and just try and said, um, all right, I'll give that a shot. It was like the first real job I'd ever had in my life. I thought it would last like two months and like came in there the first day and saw it. I thought it would last like two days, but you were the senior editor of the website. But when I got to know you, you were in charge of the entertainment portion, but you did something that a lot of editors didn't do. You really did want to write and uh, you started covering American Idol. And I think some readers might have thought that you were making fun of American Idol and some looked at it that you very much loved American Idol. If I was making fun of it, the joke is on me at that point, because at this point, because I ended up spending uh, three years of my life devoted to American Idol, so. 
And and one of the things that you did that I don't think anybody else did, at least at a major newspaper, was as you reported on David Archuleta or um, Chikizi or whoever it was, you would sprinkle in Shakespeare. I considered you were treating it seriously. Um, and these were not short pieces that you would write. We, we started doing this thing we called the show tracker, which was uh, what's now known as recaps, but the, the, that, that word wasn't really in usage then. So we, but we had this idea that there would be reporters on every uh, on, on all the major shows and that they'd be devoted to it. And they wouldn't just be writing whether they liked it, but they'd actually be reporting on the show. Um, so I said I'd take on American Idol as just sort of a little side project, and uh, it was at the time the biggest show, and I thought I could do a little original reporting and kind of set the p template for what this could be. American Idol was the biggest show on television, the biggest thing in entertainment. The LA Times had not mentioned it in three years in the pages of the newspaper, and that last mention was their music critic writing, this isn't rock and roll, this isn't, this is just co corporate, uh, uh, that, that was the only mention uh, that there had been. So I just determined I was going to write about it like so seriously and from such a highbrow perspective that no one, like, no one would dare like question whether this was appropriate for, uh, for a news organization to be uh, spending their time. And so I threw in, you know, uh, references to Homer and every every uh, I was just like I was just like come at me and tell me that this is frivolous. It was uh, it was sort of my attitude. Are are you enjoying Disney Plus? Yeah, I mean my kids my kids like it a lot. I I I I, I watch I'm, I'm now. Uh, I mean, I, 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 there's a couple of the show. WandaVision is on my list of shows to get around to. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. I mean, I've got like a year lag of when a show comes on and when like I can get through it, like get to it. It's like I'm, I'm so. So right now you're a year behind. You, you've got a backlog. I'm watching the first season of All All Mankind right now, which came out, I think, a year and a half ago. And it doesn't bother. I mean, because. Again, when we worked together, you were on the cutting edge of the cutting edge. But it, I, it doesn't bother you to be a little bit out of the loop now. I didn't have kids then, and I can watch five hours of TV a night. Like the the now I've got like half an hour of TV a night if I'm lucky, and and, and half that time I fall asleep before then. So, um, but also it's it just it just it's, it's at some point it's just too much. You can't you can't watch every show that they're buzzing about anymore. Well, it's funny you mentioned WandaVision because there is a, um, a YouTube channel uh, called Screen Crush, which reminds me a lot of Show Tracker. And it's a guy that explains to you what the hell you just saw, which, by the way, I needed during Lost. I think you had uh, Patrick, um, you had Patrick Day, and I'm trying to think who you had before that. But anyways, I needed that back then. I mean, we all were riveted to Lost, and we thought we were seeing stuff. Maybe we were seeing stuff, but I didn't believe that I saw what I saw until Patrick Day <laughs> told me that I saw it, and then he would tell me five things I didn't see. And so when I started watching WandaVision, and I don't know about you, but I wasn't a comic book kid when I grew up, and so 
because Marvel has this great advantage in DC too of not having to worry about original stories. They can just go back to the comic books and say, oh, that's an interesting plot. Let's run with that. Um, places like Screen Crush can tell me, oh, well, in 1965, this was the storyline, and this is what Wanda's doing with that. And it made a world of difference for me. And so now I'm watching um, Loki now, um, but like, it's great. It's great because this is an Oscar award style actor in the money-making business, which is Marvel. The budgets on these movies and the, I mean, and you know, it's, it, it used to be like the, the great actors wouldn't do television, but that, that, that ship has long since sailed. So what, what changed? What, who, who, is they, there a crossover? Well, they, is there is there a Jackie Robinson that that made the leap and uh, and convinced yeah, everybody? I'm not that sure who was the what was the one? The I mean, TV was the, the Sopranos changed everything when you had when you when you had a, a TV show that was getting the kind of critical attention that 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 only movies got before that. Uh, you know, Sopranos didn't have a big name like that from from movies, but but it was soon after that everybody said, okay, the, the, this this can be respectable. This is not just. Uh... And, and and so maybe the maybe the out because it seems like everybody in L.A., especially in Hollywood, needs an excuse to to buck the trend. Nobody wants to be a maverick out there, in, unless they think that that's their role is to be the maverick. Um, and so maybe the out was. It's not TV, it's HBO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, very, very good. You right. you nailed their uh, thing. But then, but then, but then everybody started doing it and started making up their game and started making better shows. And they weren't just making, uh, 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 you know, dumb sitcoms that uh, uh, were interchangeable. And 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 uh, you know, it just began. And that happened at the same time where. The movies that studios were producing were becoming worse and less interesting. So, but so here we have the internet has blossomed, and some people have figured out how to make money, and a company like Netflix has figured out how to make a, a ton of money, and in Hollywood proper, I have now seen two Netflix buildings sprout up, and I believe a third one is about to sprout up, uh, right there on Sunset Boulevard. Um, it seems like the environment has changed a, yeah, a great I mean, deal. Netflix is, I, I believe, producing more. I mean, I, I think they they are producing more movies than every other studio combined, of all the traditional studios combined. And you know, I mean, I, I think they're probably the biggest. In, you know, in in sheer volume, they're probably producing more than any company has, any one company ever has in in, in history. So, does that make sense to you? Uh, and you you would you would never imagine it when they were the DVD by mail uh, company uh, uh, just uh, you know not that not that long ago. Uh, so it's but you know what they they uh, I I have a lot of very boring uh, concerns about their their business model and the sustainability of it and, and whether well, there's not a crash coming, but in the, 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 the studios had become very uh, sleepy and bureaucratic and predictable. And they, then they came in, they had a lot of moxie. Like they, 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 they just tried stuff and they just did different things. And they, they, 
um, and they were willing to uh, take risks. Uh, uh, a friend has said that the person who wins the streaming war will be the the company that has the greatest tolerance for risk, the company that is willing to fail the most. The company that's willing to willing to fail the most will be the company that wins because that's how you find the, the next hit. You, you you have no idea what's going to be a hit, and the 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 transformative hit will 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 never be the thing you can predict. It will always be the thing that surri- surprises you. Uh, so you just the only way to get to it is just do a lot of stuff. Uh, have you seen the Queen's Gambit? I have I, I, that one. I watched is very yeah, it's great. Talk about a risk. Yeah, yeah. If I, if I proposed if I pitched to you, okay, she's really sexy, but she plays chess, and you'd say and and i'd be like and she's on drugs <laughs> <laughs> the, but you know but the the thing is her, i mean i i think when was great and glad they met they you know they for that to get to that queen's grandma there are 50 series mini series on netflix that you've never even heard of or don't even know are there and, but to your point this isn't the hollywood pitch that anybody wants to hear no studio wants to hear it's about chess and 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 on top of that, it's several episodes, yeah. <laughs> multiple episodes about chess. Well, how sexy is this person? Is it Angelina Jolie sexy? Like, who is this person? Well, she played Emma, <laughs> right? Like, by the way, we are now looking at it in hindsight, and still I can't believe it. Yeah. I can't believe it as much as I can't believe that the artist got made. It's going to be a silent movie. A truly silent movie. Yeah, the, the, si- the 20- silent black and white movie. Uh, created by French people about Hollywood. With a French star that no one's never heard of. Yeah, but it's got a dog. No one, oh, a dog. No one, has, and no one has seen since then, now that you mentioned. But, but, but to me, that's what makes Hollywood so interesting. Is I love that point that you put out there. When you take a risk, you can win it all. So let, let's talk about uh, Hollywood proper as it relates to American Idol. For, um, and again, you would know way better than I do, but for a little while, the finale of American Idol was in Hollywood. Yes, at the, at the, at the same place as the Oscars. Uh, yeah. The Dolby Theater. Was it called the Dolby back then or was it the Kodak? It was the Kodak then. So, yeah. And then it got moved to downtown L.A. Yes. And um, can you explain to people who don't live in Hollywood what that difference would be to have a finale at L.A. Live or now it's called Microsoft? Uh, I guess it was the Nokia back then. Yes, the Nokia. No, no, Compared Nokia to, at L.A. Live, I think it was called. Compared to having your finale at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, the Dolby, the Dolby is kind of weird. It's it's kind of a weird theater in the middle of this this huge mall that was built that was like a, that was a failure, but somehow never put out of its misery. So it, it's kind of a weird, but it is like it is it, it's connected to the to the Chinese theater, which is which is I, I think second only to Disneyland as tourist destinations in Southern California. So it's. It's it's kind of a historic spot. Uh, the the 
L- LA Live is is just is just some new real estate development. You, you wouldn't content. call that a mall too? I mean, I guess it is. It's I haven't been down there for. I mean, it's got the Staples Center there. It's got maybe a, it's not a mall unless you have a hot topic. Yeah, <laughs> they had what they what they they reopened Trader Vic's in there for a while. There was a yeah, the, yeah Trader Vic's had a revival in in that mall for for a time, but it was uh, it's uh. I mean, it, 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 it's it's an entertainment center, I guess they call it, rather than. A- I mean, I would consider it very uh, stale. It's uh, a little too shiny. It's it's, um, it's got no soul. No, it's very modern. I mean, it, it has no relation to the community around it. It's just this, it's it's this giant slab of concrete and metal, like plopped down in the middle of uh, of a depressed depressed area in the sort of the edge of downtown there. But it would have been a parking lot. If, if not for yeah. uh, AEG uh, buying it and saying, let's put, put our headquarters here and let's let's put a couple of venues, a small venue, a medium-sized venue, and then Staples Center. And so um, I guess what I'm asking is, did you, did you feel Hollywood glamour when uh, American Idol's uh, finale was at the, the Kodak? Or did you feel like you were next door to a mall? It was, you know, American Idol was always striving for uh, sort of classic grammar, glamour, um, and and uh, you know, being at the Kodak at that theater where they have the Oscars, it 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 did kind of help that, and it did it did you know, they I mean they do the whole red carpet, and like I said, there were hundreds of reporters there, and, you know, they I mean there was a time where they would they get every music act and in, in the, I mean everybody came on. Let's continue talking about the uh, Kodak the Dolby have you seen an Oscars there I I when I was at the LA Times I went to the Oscars there I think three times covering it for the times so so you covered it um, uh, because I, I've worked there uh, I know that there are are several different places that a reporter can be one of them is uh, where the winners arrive um, it's kind of a uh, it's almost like a convention hall uh, setup, but a little bit smaller than that. Um, there's also the red carpet where you yell at them. <laughs> so I, which one were you? So I was seated in the theater. I got we got. Oh, and then there's that. But we we literally, literally got. Uh, you know the 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 Kodak Theater has many tiers, and we literally were at the ceiling. We're at the last row of the highest level which is very high extremely high or extremely far away. you can't you 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 certainly there, there there's certainly no one resembling a star like anywhere within a hundred miles of you and you can't even really see see down to the floor where they're at and i remember the the the, the first the first time we got there, you're all excited to be at the oscars and first time you're there and you realize you're you're sitting at the in a in a, in a uh, uncomfortable theater seat in the very back row and then you know as you do when you make an oscar you, you turn to your neighbor and you make some some snide comment uh and i was shushed by everyone around me and i was just like oh my god i'm gonna have to just sit here for four hours and just watch this like, just just watch the show without talking with that and i and i just said i gotta get out of here <laughs> so on the ground floor uh, there is a bar where where the stars sneak out and sneak out to and you have free bar yes yes with good champagne free bar the Eastman Room it was called when it was the Kodak Theater uh, and the 
you can't go down to the uh, every level. You have to have the right colored pass to, ticket to go down there. So it's only you know it's only about six hundred people on the floor. So it's it's really stars and producer the the real producers and the friends of um, and and you can't go to the 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 stairway down there is guarded. But I I tried a few elevators. <laughs> And everyone would get up and they'd say, may I see your tickets? And, 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 and I wouldn't have them. Oh, sorry. I, well, I'll go back up. Uh, and then I found an elevator that, that I, 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 I got off and no one asked me for my tickets. And I went back into the bar. And uh, every year then I, would, I, I, I found that elevator somehow was, was never guarded. And uh, so every year I would go to my seats and as soon as the show started, go, go hang out in that bar. Because there'd be nothing more excruciating than to actually be forced to watch the entire Oscar show in silence. From, from there. In silence, number one, but way up. I mean, it is way up there. In fact, they say that that's one reason it's hard to rent out the Dolby for other uh, events because the it's not meant it's not meant to be uh, an audience member. It's meant for that camera shot from the stage. Yeah. So it looks like it's this big, glamorous, sparkly thing. But when you're up there, and by the way, Academy employees are allowed to have a ticket. And so my poor mother. Oh, I just remember, though, the when I realized, like, I'm going to be stuck in this seat without talking. I, I, you can't play with your phone. Like, I, I just remember the wave of panic that came over me. Like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> and the difference between... Uh, that's like what M5 section M5 yeah. and the good bar. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, no, you might, I mean, you might as well be in different, a different uh, theater. So it's, uh, and here, here's the, here's what I, I remember from working these Oscars. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's happy to be there. Could super hard to get there. They block off all this, all of Hollywood Boulevard. So it's kind of the, like the safest place in the whole country for a couple hours. And you know, who, Whoever you are, like however you got your ticket, like you know your uh, your aunt did makeup on Driving Miss Daisy uh, forty years ago or whatever, but uh, you know you walk down that red carpet and like with 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 the with the screaming fans and the and all the cameras and everything, and you just feel like this Hollywood, like you're you're living this Hollywood dream there all of a sudden. Uh, I, I mean, with. It, it has definitely lost a lot of its luster and and you know I, I mean a big part of it is that we don't we don't create stars like we used to there there are, there are fewer stars the stars mean less the stars like devalue themselves by by you know showing you how they clean their uh, their their linen closet on Instagram um, <laughs> and so it it doesn't mean as much but it's still it's still the the big one there's no there's there's nothing else and it's it's uh, people and winning an if you're an actor, I mean, that's what you're that that's what you're there for. You're you're there to win an Oscar. You know how it is in Hollywood. Everybody's trying to be super cool, even though they are super cool. They don't need to act. Steven Spielberg doesn't need to act cool. In fact, he kind of doesn't act cool. Well, that's the thing. The, the, this guy, he has, he has he has won Best Picture before. He's been nominated. Sometimes he's made more money and i mean he's you know he's a certified legend in film history yeah uh if he never does it but it still matters to him a lot to win the oscar i'm sure it he does. still really really wants to win another oscar like, who do you think he's 
I mean, is he competing against his peers? Does he's is he trying to make his dad love him? What what's his impetus for all this? I think it's just you're you're here, and that's the prize. So, you know, you don't you don't start a baseball team that is like with the goal like oh we're gonna get a lot of players in the All Star game. Like you you're you're there to win the World Series, and like that this is the game like winning the Oscar. Like that's that's the thing. And and the process takes years. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, it takes a long time to make a movie, but you conceive it as as an Oscar. I mean, the the, the reason these things are funded is because they're Oscar potential and and, and uh, the the likelihood and and their campaigns are, you know, they you know might spend a hundred million dollars on a, on an Oscar campaign for a, a big movie or something. And and so you put up with Daniel Day Lewis uh, only wanting to be addressed as. Uh, president well that, 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 i mean you know, i i think i you know you're you're lucky to have daniel day lewis uh regardless but uh but yes it's uh Be- because the goal is that likewise let's go back to the times real quick when we were on the fifth floor together only digital i hardly ever heard the word pulitzer but when we went down to the third floor and integrated with heard every sentence. i heard it every day I heard every day. And unlike the Oscars, I feel like it's harder to get a Pulitzer than an Oscar, which, by the way, is very, very difficult. Yeah, I mean, there's probably there's probably 100 movies that are potential Oscar candidates at, at best uh, that, that, that we can qualify, and you know, there's tens of thousands of articles. So, And, and it doesn't... Uh, you can kind of... You might be able to predict a little tiny bit what is an Oscar winner or what's capable of being an Oscar winner. I mean, obviously there are exceptions, but, um, but in the Pulitzer, I mean, we were there when the Huffington Post won a Pulitzer. We wouldn't have expected that. I'm I'm sure nobody on the third floor expected that because they would have treated us better. (laughs) The digital guys, right? Yeah. Or the opposite. They just, they just totally dismissed the Huffington Post winning and they, they never want to acknowledge it. Um, and so, um, so Spielberg, when he signs up Daniel Day-Lewis and gets that yes, he's like, I'm sure the, one of his first thoughts is Oscars, not box office, right? The, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I mean, box office still matters because you, you got to eat and uh, that's, 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 <laughs> that's, where, that's where it comes from. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, and, and, and all these people, like, you know the size of their paycheck is extremely important to them. They don't. They, they, none of them are saying, I'll, "I'll I'll just work for scale. Don't worry, I'll uh, I'll be fine." So so, box office matters a lot. And if they had to choose between money and trophies, I think they'd probably take money by and large. But but uh, but you know, they want they they they, they want the trophies too. The business of Hollywood, I always say, is it's not about selling tickets. It's a, or, or about about what game people to watch. The business of Hollywood is you have a very glamorous uh, world, and some and at some, wherever you are, if you're when you've made a billion dollars in whatever whatever pharmaceuticals, oil, whatever hedge funds, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to say, you know, I should be producing movies. <laughs> and the business of Hollywood is providing this whole big thing, a whole 
industry to, that, that's there to say, yes, of course you should. And <laughs> we are here to help you with that. And to just and to and to rob to rob them blind on the way to doing it. And when that when that billionaire has has that fantasy, what they always see is themselves accepting an Academy Award. That's always they don't see themselves accepting a Globe or an MTV Movie Award <laughs> or a Critics Circle or anything like that. It is them accepting an Oscar, uh, being applauded by the most beautiful people on earth. Um, in the in in the the nicest clothes and uh and and that's it that's there there's nothing there's no second place on that list there really isn't is there no richard rushfield tony pierce thank you so much for all your insights pleasure oh my god wasn't that good you know what else is good our patreons who warm our hearts when you stoke us you're saying tony jordan here's a cup of coffee here's a beer here's a extra large beer have a burrito. So shout out to our Patreons. Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, Emilio, and Jamie Taylor. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA. Give till it hurts. Here in LA is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and the three-time Wimbledon champ, Jordan Katz. Editing, mixing, and music supervision by Jordan Katz. Songs by Orgone and Jordan Katz. We usually put out new episodes every Monday and Thursday, and we have a detailed corresponding blog that goes with each interview that can be found at hereinla.com. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen Adams for inspiring me to do this in Kim and Oz's backyard, Jordan for joining forces with me, and Lindsay Barnett! Woof!